You know, I love the, the Christmas season. It's, it's interesting because it seems to be a time of generosity. Everybody, everywhere you look, people are talking about uh, give to somebody in need. And, and it, it's, it's, it's crazy because in our, in our greedy, capitalistic culture, it seems that, that it's, uh, this is a season that kind of changes things. And, and I'm not surprised that the, the miracle of the birth of Christ made such an impact. Because it was a miracle. I mean, think about the, a, a, a virgin conceived and gave birth to a son. I mean, it defies nature. It defies all human exp, expect, explanation. And, and it's, it's interesting to me because uh, some people try to uh, explain it naturally or, or say, oh, it's crazy, that couldn't happen. But it took a miracle. And I want us to understand that our, our forgiveness was so, um, our, our, our sin, let me say it like this, our sin was so devastating that it took a miracle to see that overcome. It took something that is outside of nature, that is not explainable by human understanding or explanation, because our sin is a big deal. Our sin is devastating to us, and, and, and we live in a world that tries to minimize it. Oh, you're not, you're, we're all good. No, we were born sinners, rebellious to the Lord, and it took a miracle. And I love the fact that, that the Christmas story and the Christmas season has made such an impact because it was a miracle. It was, you've heard the word, the incarnation. Now, incarnation is, the, is kind of a, a good picture of the Christmas season. It's a theological word. It, 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 it's, a, it's an important word. And let me define it for you. The incarnation describes the supernatural act of God, the Son, taking on a human nature. I mean, think about this. God himself entered human history in a, in a miraculous way. And then he, he lived this life that was truly uh, extraordinary, a, extraordinary life. The things that he did, was, it was incredible. I mean, people that, that watched him thought, how can you do these things unless you are from God, he, they said about him. They said, Lord, when, Lord, Jesus, when you teach, you teach like one with authority. You don't teach like the other teachers. Of course, he was God with skin on. And, and he lived this life that was, was extraordinary. And, and then he died a death that was substitutionary, meaning that, that he took your place, he took my place. Uh, and, and then he, he gloriously rose from the dead, which was also the greatest, one of the most amazing of all miracles, that he conquered the grave. The one thing that, that mankind can't figure out how to defeat as, 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 as advanced as we get in our culture and as, as, as technologically as we get in our, our, our pursuit of life, we can't miss the fact, we can't overcome the reality of death. And that's just where we are. Now, this morning, we're beginning this trek through Luke 1 and 2. 
And it's an incredible passage of Scripture, and I, and I love it. And, and this morning, we're going to look at the introduction of Luke, Luke 1, 1 through 4. And as you turn, turn your Bibles, turn your Bibles there, in Luke chapter 1, 1 through 4. And over the, the next several weeks through this Christmas season, we are going to essentially track through the eyewitness accounts of, of Jesus' birth and, his, and, and the events surrounding his birth. And, and, and this morning, we're going to... Look at Luke chapter 1. Would you stand with me? And let's read our text this morning. As our practice here, if you're new here, we have a practice that every time we read the Word of God, we simply stand as, as a way to acknowledge that this is not our words. This is God's Word to us. And, uh, and I'll say at the end of the, this, it's just a, a practice we have. I'll say this is the Word of the Lord. And if you'll just respond by saying praise be to God. Aren't you grateful that God has given us his word? And uh, I love it. And so let's read this, Luke 1, 1 through 4. Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us, it seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things that you have been taught. And this is the word of the Lord. Thank you. You may be seated. Now, now you may think, well, what an odd passage to start with. But, but, I, but I want us to understand, this is the introduction of the book of Luke. Now, uh, so often, and I would challenge you if you are a reader of, of books, that you, you create a habit of not skipping the introduction. I've written two books in my life. One is a, a, a dissertation that nobody will ever read, but I wrote it. And, and, and the other is a, a book that it's a devotional book that some people have read. And, and, um, and in both of those books, I wrote an introduction. And I've discovered that the introduction is very important. Because what does an introduction do? It explains why I wrote it. And, and so I would challenge you, when you're reading a book, don't skip the introduction. Because in the introduction, you can learn so much as to why the author wrote the book. And, it, and, it, and, and I think sometimes in Scripture, we see an introduction of a book and we think, oh, I'll just get through that, I'll just wait to see what he says in the book. But in each introduction, there's so many important lessons. And I don't want to miss this. You know, when you think about... Um, uh, though he doesn't name himself, Luke is the author of the book of Luke. And, and it's a, an incredible uh, picture of, of Luke was an incredible man. And, and just a, a way to some information about Luke, uh, do you know that he wrote a third of the New Testament? When you, when you add Luke wrote the gospel of Luke, he also wrote the book of Acts. And there's so many neat things about his life that, that I think are intriguing. I don't want us to overlook this morning. Um, Luke, because, uh, you know, though he only wrote two books, if you just add up the number of words, uh, Luke and Acts uh, are a third of the New Testament. Now think about the call of God to write that much of the New Testament. Luke was, uh, was interesting. Now I want you to understand what's happening when all the writers of the scriptures were writing. Now, God was not dictating to them what to say. That wasn't what was happening. They weren't, God wasn't audibly saying, Luke, write these down. Um, 
God was inspiring Luke. He was working through Luke. He was, his Holy Spirit was moving. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 says this, All Scripture is God-breathed, uh, profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now, what God was doing in the book of Luke, or for Luke, is he was inspiring him to write these words. The Spirit of God was moving him. Now, when you think about the, the book of Luke, it's interesting because it is a complete account of the birth, the life, and the death and resurrection of Christ. It's a complete account. It's an incredible story, an incredible narrative. It, and honestly, I mean, God used Luke to write the greatest story ever told about Christ's coming. And, and his history spans over 60 years. When you, when you take Luke, uh, Luke's writings from the from the prophecies about Christ through John the Baptist's prediction, the prediction of John the Baptist, all the way through the end of Acts, he's basically spanning 60 years of history from the birth of Christ all the way through the, earth, the church beginning, and it's incredible. And, um, and what's interesting about Luke is in both of those books, he doesn't name himself, which I think is a, an incredible picture of his humility. That he wasn't writing something to promote his name, but we know that, that he writes it from uh, many, many sources. And, and what's interesting is, is uh, what he wrote was, was, was accurate. Because what did he do? He, in the book of Luke, he goes to the eyewitnesses, those that, were, that, that saw it unfold. And, and, and I love it that, that when we look at, at, at Luke and his life, we know about him from Paul's writings in Acts 15. He's mentioned there. Luke traveled with Paul. And if you know Paul, he was Saul who became Paul. And, and Saul was, wrote the, a lot of the New Testament. And, and he was one of Paul's traveling companion. So when Paul gives his resume about, look, I was shipwrecked, I was beaten, I was imprisoned, and all these things, Luke was with him. Luke was right by his side. So Luke was one of these guys that watched the Lord move. He, he experienced God moving in his life, and God rescued him. And, and, and like for me, if I was ever shipwrecked, the ocean is terrifying to me, and I'd just be dead. I'm gone if, if I'm shipwrecked. Luke was likely with Paul when he was shipwrecked. And, and he, he would traveled with Paul. And, and so he experienced God protecting him when they were arrested and, and helping them when they faced difficulties and they were fearful. So he saw God work. Now, the thing about, that's interesting about Luke is uh, church tradition tells us that he, he lived about 80 years. He was about 80 years old when he died. Look back at verse 1, Luke 1, 1 and 2. He says this, Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us. What's interesting about Luke, do you know that he, to our knowledge, Luke is the only Gentile to have ever written the scriptures. I mean, he, he's the only Gentile biblical author. Now, what's big about this, and we have a hard time getting this as American Christians, because in America, we uh, think that we're the best country in the world, and we, are, we, are, we kind of look at other countries and go, you know, we're better. And, and Gentiles 
were seen as second-class citizens. Like a Jew would look at a Gentile and go, man, I, can't even, I won't even go into your house. And can you imagine how you'd feel if you invite a friend over, hey, come into my house. No, no, sorry, you're unclean. I can't go into your house. That's a Gentile. Okay, that's us. That's what we would have felt like had we been with Luke's time. And, and Luke was a Gentile, but yet God used him to write a third of the New Testament. I think that's an incredible statement about Luke. And, and you know what? I love verse 1 because in as much as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, Luke was a guy who was an eyewitness to God being at work, though he didn't, though he likely knew Mary and knew some of the, uh, knew Peter and knew, knew Paul and knew these guys. He wasn't there, but he said, I've got to write this. I've got to write these things that have been accomplished among us because he watched God accomplish incredible things. He saw the church begin. It's likely that Luke was one of the, the first Gentile converts. He was converted around that time as the Spirit of God moved. So it's an incredible thing. And he watched God work many things out. Now, and you know what? We had, some, we had an experience on Friday that, that uh, I'm wrestling with in my family. We, we took my son on a college visit, his first college visit, and he's a junior at Owasso, and, and, uh, and we, you know, we're driving around campus at UCO, and we're looking at all the places where he could live, and, and, and we're looking at what, he's, what he could do, and, and I'm sitting there thinking, golly, man, this is, I'm having a hard time with this you know, of my son growing up. I, I hear those that have an empty nest go, dude, it's awesome. You can run around your underwear and all that stuff, and that's great. But, yeah, but, but we, <laughs> Steve, don't go to Steve's house. Call first. Uh, um, but, but, uh, but, uh, but, you know, but I'm kind of sad about this. Um, um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm losing track. I'm losing it today. Oh, I love it. I love it. Um, but, over Thanksgiving, our family was together, and, and, and you know, one of the things I thought about is that it's, it's likely that my kids will go to a college, and they'll likely, like many college students do, have a professor that tries to shatter their faith, that looks at them and says, you know, it's stupid for you to believe, a Christ, believe in Jesus. You know, I've, I know professors that are like that, and, and I had that at South, when I went to my first first two years of college, I had that, and, and, and you know, a lot, there are colleges around us, some of our students have had that experience where a professor looks at them and goes, how can you be a Christian? You're, you're so unintelligent. Well, well, Luke was this writer that watched God move, and, and in our family, we were sitting around the table, and we said, okay, now wait a minute, let's talk about how God has moved in our lives and in our family. And we sat down, and, and I would challenge you to do this in your family, talk about how God has moved in your lives, because in our our experience through church and through life is not just some religious ritual that we just go through the motions. No, we're walking with Jesus, and God moves us. And, and we sat down at our dinner table and said, remember when God did this? You know, we talked about the ambassadors, this baseball ministry that we started 10 years ago, and, and, and it was a work of God in my life. I, I, I didn't play baseball. I didn't know how to play baseball, and I was a tennis player, and Dustin Gorell had to teach me how to throw a baseball when, my, when I moved to Owasso, and I just didn't know it, but, but, but God led us to start a baseball ministry, which made no sense. 
but we watch the Lord move in us and move this. And, and goodness gracious, I mean, I've gotten to speak from Little League to the Atlanta Braves. And one day I got to speak to Atlanta, the Atlanta Braves baseball team. And, you know, Chipper Jones is in his sliders and no shirt on. I'm like, what's up, man? You could have put some pants on when you came to the study, but that's cool. Um, but it's so crazy how God has moved and we as a family sit down and said, remember, that that was God. And so my atheist friend who's in my life looks at me and says, it's stupid for you to believe in Jesus. And I look at how God has moved in my life and say, it's stupid for me not to believe in Jesus. And so, see, Luke was one of these guys that he saw God move and he said, I, I love this. Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us. He said, I'm going to write a narrative. Now, there's some lessons to learn in this introduction. Point number one is this, and I don't want us to miss this, is that your personal experiences with Jesus make a huge impact. And, And Luke is one of these guys that his personal experiences with the Lord made a big impact in his life and in in others' lives, and that same is true for us. And so our high school students, when you go to college, and I pray that you see faith modeled in your family, I definitely pray that you see faith modeled in your church. And that's why things like Calvary, and I love it that tonight we're doing a, a Christmas thing at Calvary, and, and, and we're seeing the Lord um, work in that, in, in that church that we've in, in, in adopted, and it's become a part of us. And I remember when we were making the decision, Some people ask me, how's it going to work out? I go, I don't know. I don't know. Let's trust the Lord and God's leading us. Let's just try it. And see, when you live by faith, you're you're often moved to try things. And and I would challenge you and your family to to live by faith. And Luke was one of these guys that that watched the Lord move through his personal experience. And he said, I've got to write this down. I've got to write an account of God, how he's moved. And I'm going to write it down. And I want you to know, your personal experiences make a huge impact. So, so I want you to see that your story matters. Your story matters. I want our kids, that when they sit with a college professor that tries to shatter their faith, go, whoa, whoa, time out. My story matters, buddy. The way God has worked in my life, it matters. And you may think that, that it's, it's, it's intellectual to not believe in Jesus, but I'm thinking logically, and it's logical for me to believe in him. Your story matters. That's why I want to be a church that pushes one another to live by faith, not by sight. For us to learn to be tithers and give of our resources. For us to learn to be a church that doesn't back away from, from from stepping out into the unknown. For you to be a believer that says, look, I'm, we're going to take a family vacation and go on a mission trip with our church. You know, uh, maybe, you know, we're, we're given in your, in your bulletin, there's the, the missions guides. And you'll see what are our mission dollars go and, and how you can give to missions. Some of you may need to go. Quit your job and go on the foreign mission field. We'll help you with that. You know, your story with God matters. Christ's work in your life is unique. 
And I want you to see this, and I need to see this, that when Christ is at work in our lives, that's, that's a unique thing. And, and so this is why we need to learn to communicate our story in a clear, concise, and compelling way. I love what we're doing with our new members uh, class, our dinner with the pastor, that if you're going to join our church, we go through dinner with the pastor, and Brad Ayler is guiding people to write your story on a piece of paper. Write your testimony on a piece of paper. All of us should do this. Be able to articulate and communicate your journey with the Lord, your salvation story. Because, you know, your story matters. And, and for us to be uh, learn to articulate it in a concise way, a clear way, a compelling way. Because when you share your story, it matters. It's like 1 Peter 3, 15 and 16. But in your heart, set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. And I love it. He goes on, keeping a clear conscience that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. And so God prepares us to be, be equi- equipped to tell our story. That's what Luke is modeling for us right here. You know, he spent a lot, look at verse 3. He says, it seems good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you. I think Luke was spending time with people who, who were there. I think he knew Mary. I think he knew Peter, and, and he knew these guys. And he said, look, i got to write this down. And he wrote an orderly account. Now think about Luke. We know from Colossians 4.14, though Luke never writes his name in, in the book of Luke and the book of Acts, Colossians 4.14, he, he identify, he's identified as um, Luke, the beloved physician, sends you greetings. So Luke was a doctor. Now think about this. As a doctor, he has some natural gifts and natural abilities. You know, um, a, a doctor generally, though they can't write very well, Luke, Luke was, broke that trend, I guess, but, uh, uh, but he, Luke was very intelligent. He was very analytical. A doctor is scientific, right? He, he's, he's analytical. He'll, he's systematic. He's logical, And so it makes sense that Luke says, I'm going to write an orderly account here. And and I think there's so many things to to look at when when you look at the man Luke who wrote this book, is that he, he had some natural gifts. And I want us to see this morning, point number two in our notes, is that your God given gifts play an important part of your story. That you have natural gifts. You have God-given gifts that, are, that contribute to your story. Luke had these God-given gifts. I mean, I look at our church, and we have engineers, and we have people that can rebuild a, an American Airlines jet, and we have all kinds of interesting uh, oil and gas people and, and, and medical folks. And it's just interesting when you look at how God has gifted us. Luke was gifted he had these natural gifts, and, and what's interesting ab- about him is he, and I guarantee you rubbed shoulders with Peter, and I think likely Peter was impacted by Luke, and, and Luke saw, or Peter saw Luke's life, and, and he, Peter wrote in, in 1 Peter 4.10, as each one has received a special gift, 
employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Meaning that you have gifts that you're to use. We see in this introduction, Luke just simply saying, I'm going to use the gifts I have. And, and see, where do you do that? Now, do you know that you have, you have a spiritual gift? That the second you come to Christ, God gives you spiritual gifts. And we want to be a church that helps you use those. In fact, we have a class, and, and our, our next semester is starting in January called Place. And it will be a class that will help you determine your spiritual gifts. Paige Cole teaches it. It's an incredible gift, incredible class on Wednesday nights. It starts in February. And so look that up. Dis discover your spiritual gifts. Because you have a spiritual gift. Here's a definition of a spiritual gift. A spiritual gift is a God-given ability to serve God and other Christians in such a way that Christ is honored and other people are helped. And if you start to use your spiritual gifts, you'll see your walk with God grow. You'll, you'll start to understand the Lord more. You'll understand his word more. And all of us need to employ the spiritual gifts. Now, um, I want you to know something else. You have natural gifts. You have spiritual gifts, but you also have natural gifts. You have a, a way that God made you. And, and with Luke, we see him using his natural gifts. Now, I want us to, want, let me explain something. We have a guy in our church named Mike Henry. He was in our first service. And, and I love Mike's heart for the Lord. And one of the things that he is passionate about, and he's trying to help mobilize um, people to understand their gifts in ministry it's easy for you to look at me and our staff and go, man, you guys are called to ministry. And yes, we have a role in the body of Christ to, to play. We, we, have, we have to fulfill our role in the body. But I, we got to understand that all of us are called to serve the Lord. All of us are. And God has given you gifts and he wants you to use them. He's equipped you like he's made you like he's made you for a reason. And it's so incredible when you start to understand that God can use you. That God is, has, 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 has given you these gifts. And when you start to use them to serve the Lord, I'm telling you what, that's better than drugs. That is so incredible to start serving the Lord. And, and so I want to challenge us to do that. Luke, look at verse 3. It says, it seemed good to me also having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have concerning the things you have been taught. Now, I love this. I love what Luke says here. I love the heart of Luke here. Now, we don't know who Theophilus was. We know about Luke that that. Acts and Luke, those two books, if you study their original languages, are written in a high level of Greek. They are like Peter and John. You know, Acts 4.13 says that, they, uh, that when they heard Peter and John, they knew they were unschooled, ordinary men, but they took note that they had been with Jesus. So Peter and John are these guys that, that were, they, they probably weren't, didn't have good grammar. They had hick accents, likely, and and uh, according to the day, and and they were they were seen as oh you're just unschooled ordinary men. Luke wasn't like that. Luke was incredibly educated, and when he wrote, he wrote very formally. He wrote with at a high level of Greek. Now Theophilus was obviously someone very important. 
Now, I think Theophilus wasn't a believer. We don't know that. He may have been a believer. He may not have been. We don't know. But what we do know is Luke was wanting to persuade him. Luke says, and I love this about him, Theophilus, I want you to know that you may have certainty concerning the things you've been taught. Now, here's what I get from here. And here's what I I pray we get from here. Is that, is that we are called to be a vocal witness to specific people. Now, now we're supposed to speak up about Jesus to specific people. That God has given us experiences and God has given us um, um, gifts and abilities. And, and, and there are people that you can reach that if I showed up as a pastor, they wouldn't even give me the time of day. I've learned this through our ambassador baseball thing. One of the things that we do is every summer we, we go to OCU. We, we have our tournament in Oklahoma City, and it's, it's a big baseball tournament, a select baseball tournament. Some of the best baseball players in this part of the country play in it. And in the semifinal game every year, I get to go and share the gospel. And I do it every year. I love it. I love it that I get to go share the gospel during that tournament. And, and you know what? Uh, what I do is I put on my ambassador uniform. I didn't play baseball. I was number, so I, I got number zero because I figured that was appropriate for me. And, and so I put on my number zero uniform. I put on my ambassador hat, and I walk in as a representative of the ambassadors. I don't say, hey, I'm a, I'm a preacher. I say, I'm part of this baseball team. And you know what's cool is that people that would never give me the time of day will stop and listen to me. And do you know that there are, there are people that you know that if you said, I'm going to bring my preacher over, they'd go, no thanks. But if you go, hey, I want to sit down with you and tell you about my life, tell my story, they're all ears. And see, what I love about Luke here is he, 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 he's a vocal witness. And I want us to see we are called to be vocal witnesses for Christ. And so this is why I, I, love, I love Luke's burden for people. I love his burden for Theophilus. You can almost see Theophilus. I want you to hear this orderly account. I want you to know about Jesus. I want you to know that it makes sense that, that what you've heard is reliable. You know, think about us. There, there are times that we're called speak up, but sometimes we, we keep our mouth shut because we're, oh, I don't want to offend, or I don't want to hurt someone's feelings. You know, you know, yesterday, it was so much fun. I mean, we're such city boys. My son and I, we went hunting yesterday, and, and, uh, and we love it. We love deer hunting. And by the way, thank you for being here this morning. It's the last day of rifle season, and you're here. Thank you for not being in the woods today. But, but we were out in the woods yesterday, and, and we, we see this big old buck come by, and, and, he, and we shoot at it, and we thought we missed, and, and we, we hit it. Oh, my goodness, we got it, and, we, and, and it was fun. We got a deer yesterday, and he, we prayed, Lord, if there's a deer that needs to go, send him our way. And he did. <laughs> he did. It was awesome. And, uh, and he needed to go, and we, even though we thought we missed him, we hit him. And, and uh, so we were, um, you know, because I've learned about my wife that uh, she won't eat it if I process it. So we drove to Rainey's down there in Ramona, and, and uh, we took our deer in. And, 
I accidentally cut off this guy. I didn't realize he was waiting in line. They were all gone to lunch, and, and I snuck in front of him without knowing it. And, and uh, I said, oh, hey, sorry, man. I think I cut in front of you. He's like, oh, no, no big deal. And his name was Will. And he's like, let me see a deer you shot. And, and so we started talking deer hunting. You know, like I knew what I was talking about. I had no clue. But, um, but uh, we started talking, and which led to a conversation, which led to just saying, Will, let me tell you about what Christ has done in our lives. And it was all nat- natural. Just it was a moment. I didn't tell him I was a pastor. I didn't tell him. You know, that usually makes people nervous. I just said, just, just a Christian. And, and you know, it was cool to see the Lord just open that door. And I want you to know something. We, we need to speak up. You know, so can I, I love Luke, and let's le- learn from this introduction here the, to, to pray for a burden for people. Can I just ask you, let's, let's be that kind of church that says, we have a burden for people who need the Lord to... Um, to act when needs are presented. You know, you know, there's so many opportunities we have to act. And I'm not saying you should go to your work and stand up on the table and start preaching or go to school and get in the lunchroom and start preaching the gospel. I mean, if God tells you to do that, you ought to do it, baby. But, but, but you know, there, there's a way to do this with, with gentleness and respect, like Peter said. But we got to speak up. And I love it that Luke is like, i got to tell you, Theophilus, about what this, I want to write this orderly account. I want you to know it's reliable. I think about for us to say, look, people need to understand this is reliable. Like I wanted my children to know as the story of God in our lives is a reliable story. I want them to leave my home going to a college with the confidence that, look, God has been at work. And yeah, there's many people that will look at us and say, hey, you're stupid for believing this. And we're like, well, I think we're stupid not to believe it. And so, hey, we're going to have to agree to disagree on this. But professor, you're not shattering my faith because of what I've seen and heard and and. And that's what sharing the gospel is. It's simply talking about what we have seen and what we have heard. And see, that's why we can't just be going through the motions of the Lord's Supper today, of just being religious ritual of, well, I've checked off my boxes. No, no, golly, we're not about checking boxes or being distant religion. No, we have a relationship with Christ that is real, that is personal. And that is why 2 Corinthians 5, 20 and 21 is so big in the life of our church and in Scripture because because it says we are therefore ambassadors for Christ. It is as though God were making his appeal through us. So we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. See, because without apology, we are living our lives in a culture, in a community, in a city, in a state, in a nation, in a world that says, look, we're, we're representing Jesus. That's what Luke is doing. That's why we can't overlook his introduction and realize, man, we're called to this. It's as though God himself were making an appeal through us that we're looking at a world saying, we implore you, we beg you, be reconciled to God. 
And 2 Corinthians 5.21 tells why. Because God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. And when we get to heaven and, we're, and we see Jesus face to face and we're like, we see holiness for the first time. And we sang this song of, of, of we, we talked about being holy. I'll confess to you, I don't grasp that fully. Because when I see holiness for the first time, I'm going to be like, whoa. That wasn't, I was made holy. God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. Why? So that I could be righteous. The only way we're righteous is because of Jesus who came into this world. That's why Christmas is so important. Oh, it's so important. So would, would you come to Jesus today? Maybe that means for you that you're going to get right with him, that you're going to start speaking up. Maybe that means that you're going to come to Christ for the first time. My prayer is that you don't resist him. You listen to him and you honor him and follow him. Would you stand where you are?